Coming up, a recap of the Super Bowl favorites for 2022, the Buffalo Bills dominance over the defending Super Bowl champion LA Rams in the NFL season opener on Thursday night. Also, I gave you all my picks for Sunday's games, and also I threw in Monday's game, free bet for you, in the NFL. The Yankees take three of four from the lowly twins, and a nice feel-good story from the U.S. Open. All that and more coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. I often talk on this podcast about breaking the stigma surrounding mental health. So if you're feeling stressed, depressed, or just want to talk, today's sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed, experienced therapist online, and you have access to over 20,000 different therapists that you may not have access to in your area. All you have to do is fill out a questionnaire, and 48 hours later, you're set up with a therapist that fits your needs. You can then schedule video or phone calls and have access to unlimited messages back and forth with your experienced therapist. You can also change to a new therapist at any time with no extra charge. I often talk on this podcast about how perspective is anything, and that's something I learned in therapy. I had terrible anxiety, and I learned about how changing your perspective can change the reality. So take charge of your mental health and join the over 2 million people who already use BetterHelp for therapy online today. And if you use my code, you can get an extra 10% off on your first month. So go to betterhelp.com Rami for 10% off. That's B-E-T-T-E-R help h-e-l-p dot com slash rami for 10% off your first month do it today Welcome back to the Rami Lavi podcast, episode 91. Thank you for listening. As always, if you like it, share it. All that good stuff definitely helps me. And I think I can say it yet again football is back. I'll probably say this again on Sunday after we have a full slate of games, but I'm going to keep saying it because it's awesome. It's here. Um, can't complain too much as we just had a Thursday night game. And as everyone said, they hit us with a juggernaut right at the top. I mean, the Bills are the Super Bowl favorite, Josh Allen is the MVP favorite. And the Rams obviously just won the Super Bowl, and people will expect this team to be great again. But a lot of people had a lot of money on the Bills on the road, getting points, minus two and a half, and they didn't disappoint. So we're going to get to a lot of stuff, all that, in the podcast today and just run you through quickly. We're going to do that. We're going to talk about Thursday Night Football. Got a couple other things I want to get to. The Yankees did take three of four from Minnesota. And then we have the preview of the Sunday games. So a lot to get to. So I want to jump right into it and start with Thursday night football and the NFL season opener. So on last episode, I already picked this game on my NFL season preview episode. I picked this game and I picked the bills and a lot of people pick the bills. And right now, if you're looking at this game, the biggest takeaway is all the experts, all the prognosticators, all the people with a podcast like myself, all the people who like to predict what's going to happen, who took the bills and said the bills are going to be a juggernaut this year. And Josh Allen's going to be awesome this year. And this was everyone who said this. All those people are looking awfully good right now because Josh Allen was awesome. The Bills were awesome. And by the way, Cooper Cup was awesome. So it's not like they lost anything on that. Everyone was talking about how great this would be. And I didn't expect LA to look this bad, though. And I think no one did. That's the one part where it's surprising. Where, yeah, I thought Buffalo minus two and a half. I talked about the different things going on with LA. They don't have... Odell Beckham Jr. You're talking about an injury with Matthew Stafford where it's almost like he would have needed Tommy John surgery if he was an MLB pitcher. Like, 
I understand that he's not a pitcher and the torque on the elbow is not that bad. You could just do a bunch of workouts, get a bunch of treatment. That's fine. But let's not pretend this isn't a devastating injury. This is something that actually could take a toll on your body. And maybe this is something worse. And I think the biggest surprise, though, was how incredibly shut down the defense for the Bills was. And so we talk about overreactions. That's the biggest thing that comes out. And But if you were riding the hype train for the NFL season this year, the first drive made everyone right away go, oh my God, yeah, we were right. We told you. Josh Allen was awesome. The Bills were awesome. And Gabriel Davis, the guy who everyone's like, that's the guy who's going to take the next step, blah, blah, blah. He had the touchdown. And everyone's off and running. All the Super Bowl predictors, all the fantasy football predictors, everyone's like, yeah, this is working out well for us. Josh Allen MVP. And what we always have to remember in the NFL, and I'm going to talk about this when I predict all the games, is that we can't overreact to week one because some crazy stuff's going to go down. We know week one is generally a, a wonky week. Things really, then they, they revert all the way back in week two, and things really start to settle in at about week three, week four. But the first week is always going to be crazy, and especially the first game of the year. But it's still shocking to me that LA's defense was this bad and that the Bills' defense was this good. Von Miller, that was one of the offseason moves that I laughed about, right? That was one of the ones where it's like, haha, why? He's like 80 years old. It was like his last legs. He got traded for nothing to the Rams just to get that Super Bowl. He got cut and then was, you know, signed the contract. And it was like, wait, why are the Bills taking a chance again on Von Miller? Wasn't he already done? And he had a tremendous impact on this game. And like I said, it's one game. Don't overreact. But two sacks, he had a huge impact on what everyone else and Chris Collinsworth did a great job of pointing this out. He had a huge impact on what everyone else was doing on the defensive line for the Bills. He was getting a ton of attention from the Rams' offensive line. So it was huge what Von Miller was able to bring to this defense. But the big story in this game was Josh Allen. I mean, the guy, when he gets out and runs, the guy is incredible. The guy, and I heard an interesting comp, and we'll get to it in a minute, but this is not a Lamar Jackson running where he's slicing and breaking ankles. He's running like Derrick Henry. He's throwing guys to the ground with stiff arms. There was one play where I was watching him and he came around the edge. I think it was on the touchdown run that he had and he was one-on-one with the defender. I was like, well, that's it. He's running into the touchdown. He, you know, a DB can't stop him. And then afterwards they show the replay. It was Bobby Wagner, the guy who was third in the NFL in tackles last year, one of the best linebackers in the league. And Josh Allen made him look tiny. And I was like, yeah, he's got this, whoever that is. I don't, I don't see who that is, but he has no chance against Josh Allen. It turned out it was Bobby Wagner. I thought it was a defensive back. That's how amazing Josh Allen looks right now when he's running the football. But what was more impressive is the one thing they always said about Josh Allen, and we already talked about this last year, is you can't teach accuracy. He's just not that accurate. Something he needs to work on. Some of the throws he threw, the back shoulder throw that he threw to Stephon Diggs on the left sideline, the ball that he literally placed on Stephon Diggs who slipped and fell on the last touchdown of the game, the ball that he threw to Diggs in between three defenders on the right side, where he threw it kind of over the middle to the right side, it was also a back shoulder pass. And Collinsworth pointed this out one out also. If he doesn't throw that back shoulder, if the ball's not there as Stefan Diggs turns around back shoulder, it's probably picked off because there were three defenders right there. And it was the perfect, perfect throw. And he was throwing it into tiny windows over and over again. We talk about the running game. We talk about all the things. People are going to want to talk about the running because it's going to be a meme. It's going to be a gif tomorrow. His stiff arm, stiff arming a defender to the ground as he's running. Him running into the end zone, running over Bobby Wagner. Yeah, that'll be a meme tomorrow. But those throws that he was making that was fitting into those tight targets, that's what's going to make Josh Allen the quarterback that he needs to be to win MVP and to do what he didn't do last year and win 
in the playoffs and beat all these great quarterbacks in the AFC and make it to the Super Bowl. So if you're on the Josh Allen hype train, if you're on the Bills hype train, you're feeling really good about yourself because of what he did more than you expected. He did what you hoped for and then some. And with Stephon Diggs, I said this all year. I said I think Stephon Diggs is going to be number one receiver in football this year. So far, I can toot my own horn. Now the concern, the you want to talk about it's one game, don't overreact. The concern with Josh Allen is you really want this guy doing this 18 times a year, maybe 20 times. If you win a Super Bowl, if they don't have the best record in the AFC at the end of the year, that means they're going to play 21 games this year. If they do have the best record in the AFC, that means they're going to play 20 games this year. Can you really rely on him to be running into guys, to be putting this toll in his body? And this is the comp that uh, I heard earlier that I said I was going to mention. The comp is Cam Newton. Cam Newton was a great quarterback. Cam Newton was running guys over. Cam Newton had the athleticism. He had the arm strength. He had all that stuff. But he wore down. His body broke down. So when he had that MVP season that he went to the Super Bowl, it was incredible. But that was it for him. Can Josh Allen, he's also a big body. He's also big and strong and can throw. All those things are true with Josh Allen. But at some point, there was late in the game when Chris Collinsworth also said, he's like, all right, enough is enough. Like you, We get it. You can run. You should stop running now. I love that he's fighting for the extra yards. I love all that stuff. I just hope it's sustainable for the Bills and that offense. But what's amazing is even if it's not, what he was able to do, just moving around in the pocket, moving his feet, there were a couple of plays where he just shuffles in the pocket a little bit, almost Brady-like, which is, I know it's saying a lot, but it's almost Brady-like where he's shuffling in the pocket a little bit and then making the throw because they were closing down on him. Aaron Donald was getting there. Like Aaron Donald, if you watched him the whole game, actually had a pretty good game. He just wasn't that impactful because of how good Josh Allen was tonight. So that was really impressive from Josh Allen. That was that was awesome. That was really cool to watch. And what was more even more amazing with Josh was the only time he actually messed up in this game was the two interceptions that were basically ripped out of his receiver's hands. If it weren't for those two interceptions, who knows what the score would have been? Sorry, my keys just fell. <laughs> the score would have been, been ran up even more. Like 31-10, I saw a 21-point win is, I think, the second biggest loss of a defending Super Bowl champion all time in their opening week. They lost by 21. It would have been like 45-10 to 10 if they don't have those two interceptions. So Josh Allen's game was nearly perfect, and the two picks looks like it's not perfect. He had nearly 300 yards, 297 yards. He had 50-something yards rushing. He had the three touchdown passes, a touchdown run. And then the two picks are the only blemishes. But those two picks were balls that were ripped out of his wide receiver's hands. That's how good Josh Allen was tonight. Now, the overreaction stuff, what it includes is it also includes the Rams. And they need someone to be the guy who's going to make up for all those Odell Beckham Jr. catches. That's the difference. Cooper Cup is insane. They threw it to him every time. That's not an overreaction. They threw it to him all the time. They had all the defenders on him. Everyone's watching him, and still he somehow gets open. Obviously, that one throw over the middle where it really ended the game, the interception, where it goes off of his hands, that kind of is upsetting. You want him to make that catch. It would have been a nice catch, but he's even then he's jumping in the air between four or five defenders. But Allen Robinson, who I thought was going to be the guy who was going to take that step. I drafted him in one of my fantasy teams. I thought he was going to be really good this year, and he was going to be able to play that role that Odell Beckham Jr. had played. It was awful. He was not good at all tonight. The Cam Akers thing, that's weird. I, maybe that's an overreaction also. I saw a funny tweet that more people are upset about Cam Akers tonight than the loss of the Queen. It's kind of funny. 
um, and whatever that whole thing. <laughs> um, but like, I don't know what's happening with Cam Akers, right? So maybe you expect that situation to turn around, that situation to work itself out. The Jalen Ramsey thing is weird also. Like, you, he's not going to be this bad, right? We know that corners have a tendency to fall off rather quickly, but you don't go from being a guy who is so good to just, I mean, Stephon Diggs was laughing at him. Stephon Diggs was pointing at him after he scored that touchdown when he was literally on the ground. He beat Ramsey so badly. He got torched. You can't get torched like that every game. So it takes some time. It takes some working out. Overall, just fun to have football back. Overall, yes, the Bills look like they're going to be awesome. But the Bills look like this at points last year. They still had the Patriots game. They still had the game against Jacksonville. They can't have games like that this year. Can Von Miller stay healthy and be this effective all year? That's a question mark for them. Is Josh Allen going to stay healthy and be effective this year? Like he has been with the run especially. I think Cooper Cup is still going to be great. You can expect that from the Rams. You can expect the Rams' defense to be better than it was tonight. Can you expect the Bills' defense to hold up and be as good as it was tonight? That's a question for them. And you just expect LA to be better overall. Like I said, Allen Robinson needs to step up for them. Now, I did miss one thing (laughs) because it's awesome to have it all back, but I missed Al Michaels. Him with Chris is just, that's how you know it's a big game. That's how you know football is back. And Mike Tirico is awesome. He's really good. I love him, but he's not Al Michaels. And I kind of missed Al Michaels being out there with Chris Collinsworth. But Chris did make two incredible points. Um, One was about the Bills defense that I talked about, that with everything, you don't expect the Bills defense to be this good. And they were this good. And so when you talk about the games where the offense struggled last year, if the Bills defense can be this good, that's going to be what propels them to the next step, what wins them. A title because we remember 13 seconds they were on the field for 13 seconds and it was the defense that faltered Josh Allen and the offense did their job and then the defense was the one that lost them the game in those 13 seconds against Patrick Mahomes so if they want to take the next step in the AFC go to the Super Bowl the defense is going to have to be this good and they were this good in this game and the second point was like I mentioned earlier with Josh Allen yes he threw the two interceptions but there was another third turnover where there was a fumble right from the running back And without that, this game is a huge blowout. And so the concerns and the overreaction from the Rams side is going to be huge this week. Like I said, there's some easy fixes. They're a Super Bowl champion team. I get it. It's one game. But there's going to be some overreactions from this week. Overall, I'm just glad we get to talk about football. 1-0 for the Bills. 0-1 for the Rams. And a long week and a half ahead of them till they have to play their next game. They want to play. You know, that's the thing with football. And they talked about this at the end of the game also. You don't get to play for a while now. So they want to play again as quickly as possible, probably after that type of performance. But the Bills, they're flying high. They probably want to play again as soon as possible also. Like I said, just good to have it back. So that's uh, those are my main takeaways. And I'm sure when I talk on Sunday, there will be more developments surrounding that game. As far as Sunday and the rest of the NFL, I got to start with the Jets before I get to anything else. Because I'm going to do my picks. I'm going to talk about my bets. I'm going to talk about all that stuff. But enough is enough. We thought it was different. We thought that the Jets, they had a great draft. We thought that the Jets, this was different. Joe Douglas has it under control. Robert Sala comes from San Francisco that's been stable. He had that defense out there. He's tough. He runs up and down the stairs before the game in the entire stadium. Zach Wilson's got that dog in him. The locker room loves him. There's all these veterans we brought in. CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin. All that stuff we thought was great. And then Vegas, something 
didn't click for Vegas. They had the Jets at a five and a half win total. And I said, that can't make sense. That doesn't make sense. How could it be that everyone's praising the Jets this much and the Jets still have a five and a half as they're over under for win totals? And it's because the Jets are going to jet. And Vegas knew it and we should have known it and I shouldn't have gotten so bought into the Jets because the Jets do this every time. And the press conference that Robert Sala had, I think it was Wednesday, just tells you everything you need to know about the New York Jets. He comes out and he says, on Tuesday, they're saying, or I think it was Monday, they said, there's a possibility that Zach Wilson plays. There's a possibility that Zach Wilson plays on Sunday against the Ravens. Now, I thought it was games, gamesmanship where, you know, we don't want the, they're two very different quarterbacks, Zach Wilson and, and Joe Flacco. I had already accepted in my head that Joe Flacco was going to be the starting quarterback for Sunday against the Ravens, and I already talked about it. Yep, you know, revenge game for Joe Flacco. I actually saw the line didn't even move at all when they said, hey, it's, it might be Zach Wilson, and then they ultimately announced that it was going to be Jack Fla- Joe Flacco. The line stayed the same the whole time. Vegas knew that it was going to be Joe Flacco. Everyone knew it was going to be Joe Flacco. But yet you felt like you had to come out and say, you never know, it might be Zach Wilson, only to come out the next day, the very next day, and say to us, Actually, Zach Wilson's probably not coming back till week four. And I don't want you to ask me about this anymore because I'm sick of talking about this. It's your job to talk about this. You're the head coach. You're the mouthpiece for the organization. You're supposed to be the communicator to the fans. And if we have questions, how can you say there was no setback? How could you say, he says, there's no setback. I don't want to talk about it, but he's not going to be back till week four. If you just told me that there's a chance he's going to play in week one, and now he's not playing till week four, but there was no setback, what does that mean? And why are you doing this, Robert Sala? You could have just come out and said, Zach Wilson's not ready for week one. He's not going to play week one. And that's it. And then there's no questions. He went out of his way to make this a bad situation for him. And that's what the Jets do. The DNA of the Jets is that they always mess things up. They always do things wrong. That's what this franchise has been doing forever. And they continue to do that. And it's so incredibly frustrating to watch this team. And to watch this team continue to screw up. And right now... Robert Sala, he was kind of flying under the radar. People were they were kind of still in the honeymoon stage. He didn't do anything last year. They didn't win. But he didn't necessarily do anything wrong. Now, fans are going to turn on you, Robert Sala. Now you got to actually put up. Now you actually have to prove that you can be a good NFL coach. Their defense was historically bad for a stretch last year. You're supposed to be a defensive guru. You actually had some veterans on that defense. If at least the defense isn't better this year, if at least they don't improve by scoring some more points, by having some more wins, if Zach Wilson doesn't develop, I mean, this is, I thought that the next guy to go was going to be Joe Douglas, but it seems like Salah's the guy now. Salah's the guy that if this all goes to hell and it looks like it's going to hell, Dwayne Brown's also hurt. That comes out today. And Robert Salah's like, well, I'm not going to give you a prognostication anymore because I don't know clearly. Like he's so fed up with himself. But you're causing this, you're bringing this on yourself if you're Robert Sala. It's, it's quite honestly pathetic. And this is just classic Jets. And Vegas was right. Vegas knew the Jets were going to jet. And so I, I went to thinking, I was optimistic. I thought maybe 7-8 wins this year, an improvement. I thought Zach Wilson can show us something. I thought they'd survive a week or two without Zach Wilson with Joe Flacco. First week's revenge game. Second week, you're playing against a backup quarterback and the Cleveland Browns. And then if he comes back as a soft spot in the organization, week three, he could come back. I think they're at home, but it's against the defending AFC champions, right? Cincinnati. So maybe you don't want him to come back there. Maybe you bring him back the next week. The point is, there was 
a world where this was going to be fine. And it could still work out that way. But Robert Sala, you ruined everything. You made me not trust this team. You made me not trust this organization again. And you made me not trust you more than anyone. And so if the Jets start losing, and if the defense is as bad as it was last year, there's going to be Jet fans calling for Robert Sala's head. I'm going to be one of them. And you can't blame us. By the way, when all this happened, I was in New York. Um, so I'm going to dial it back. Calm down. The Jets infuriate me. I don't know why I let them do it. I saw also a funny meme where it's like, for the next four months, there's going to be a professional football team that controls my emotions, my moods, or whatever it was, something like that. It's true. All right. I was in New York, like I said. And so my grandmother, not a listener, but maybe one day, maybe if I get really famous. No, I think she's one of those people who I could be on national TV every single day, and I still don't think she'd watch or listen. If she's not interested, she just won't. And that's fine. She loves me. And but she's just not one of those people who's going to be, uh, you know, a listener. I don't think I'll be able to convert her, but maybe maybe one day um, she's not a listener. But I spent some time with her this week. I went up for a couple of days after uh, we were working on Memorial Day or Labor Day, I should say, not Memorial Day, worked Memorial Day, too, but worked on Labor Day uh, and that and the weekend Sunday also. So and I'm working this coming Sunday. So we chose a couple of days, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday to go up to New York, spend some time with my grandmother, had an awesome time. But then we were getting ready to leave. It was me and my wife and it was Sunday afternoon or sorry, Wednesday afternoon, about one o'clock. And we were about to head back to Baltimore. And it was one of the producers here, Kyle, at uh, the fan here in Baltimore said to me, he's like, you've never been to the U.S. Open. And if you think about it, I'm always here every summer of my life. I've been here during the U.S. Open in late August and I've never gone. And it's weird that I've never gone. And I thought to myself, I should have gone. And so there were tickets for like 30 bucks to get in. And I was like, sure, I'll go to the U.S. Open. It's an experience. I remember when I went to the golf tournament to uh, the BMW championship last year, I was like, yeah, this is awesome. This is so cool. You're up close. It's a new experience. I said, you know what? This might be the same thing. Everyone's going. All the celebrities are there. It seems like a good show. I'm going to go to the U.S. Open. And I showed up and we're walking around. There's all the shops. There's all the stores. There's the different courts. And somebody said to me, somebody's like, you're not going to go to the, like, the, there's a big match going on right now. You should check it out. I was like, yeah, of course. So I walk in and I, I didn't even know what I was walking in on. But that's when I met Francis Tiafo. He's a young 20-something-year-old American kid. I think he's like 24 years old. Um, and he's a tennis player, an African-American tennis player. And his story is amazing. He's actually from Maryland. And he grew up the son of immigrants and his father an immigrant was a custodian who actually helped build a tennis facility and then was the custodian at the tennis facility so this kid literally grew up in the janitor's closet and that's how he learned and then ultimately fell in love with the game of tennis and he's just such a great story that he was in the quarterfinals and he had the entire arthur ash stadium rooting for him cheering for him he was the only american left of the eight left he was the only one was American in the tournament and he won in straight sets and it was one of the most electric and unifying experiences in sports I've experienced in my life it was so cool to be there to watch the development of people falling in love with this guy because he's one of them he's an American kid from Maryland and he's a feel-good story where he comes from nothing and he's just made himself self-made and to get to the point that he's gotten to today and he becomes the first American since Andy Roddick in 2006 to go to the Final Four at the U.S. Open. That's incredible. He wins in straight sets, in three sets. He wins. It was awesome. And he was incredible. He was playing to the crowd the entire time. 
every time he went down, the crowd would start chanting for him. Every time he won a set, the ch- the crowd went nuts for him, obviously. It was awesome to watch. And uh, it was a really, really cool experience. There was like one Russian. The other guy was Russian. There was like one Russian girl next to us yelling in Russian every time the crowd got quiet. And the second I, the second he won, the second Tiafa won, I kind of looked over at her and she was gone. She had left. Um, so that was pretty cool. Uh, and it was just a really fun, really awesome experience. Brad Beal, because he's a Maryland kid, Brad Beal, uh, who's from D.C. or not from here, but obviously plays uh, for the Wizards was there dapping him up afterwards. Um, so it was a really cool thing to see. It was a really cool thing to watch. And then afterwards, I looked at him on Instagram and Twitter, and he was talking about how he felt the energy. He felt how everyone was behind him. It was one of the, like, yes, the U.S. Open was a really cool experience, but I walked in on an even cooler story. I wasn't even expecting it. I'm not a huge tennis fan, but now I'm rooting for this kid. I'm going to be watching. And it's funny because that's the same thing that happened with the BMW Championship. I was like, oh, now I'm going to follow these guys. This is so cool. Golf is awesome. And then the Live Tour came and ruined it. So hopefully the Live Tour won't come and ruin tennis for me. But um, that was a really cool story. And actually, he's the first African-American uh, to reach the final four of a Grand Slam since Arthur Ashe in 1972, and he did it at Arthur Ashe Stadium, the stadium named for Arthur Ashe. So that was that was uh, pretty cool. Also, another thing that happened in sports, since we're just running through all this stuff, is uh, Pat Beverly was he arrived at Lakers training camp, and it's awesome. You put a microphone in front of the guy. He's going to have a podcast coming out soon, and that's going to be really cool. Um, so there's going to be a lot of fun stuff. But he did the media tour right after he won with Minnesota. And they asked him the question where they're like, hey, uh, what's it like to be playing with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, Russell Westbrook? He's like, what do you mean? They're playing with me. I went to the playoffs last year. They didn't. This guy's going to be awesome. We already know LA is going to be really fun. And if they try and trade now for like Mike Conley, uh, they might try and package Westbrook for uh, and, and a first-round pick for Mike Conley and uh Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Utah Jazz. So that'll be really cool also to see how weird this can get in LA. But so far, I'm loving every second of it. And Pat Bev is exactly what I wanted Pat Bev to be as a Laker. Um, Another thing as we approach uh, football season is one of the things that we see now is everyone says, oh my God, if Patrick Mahomes did that, everyone would be freaking out. The Patrick Mahomes, if Patrick Mahomes did that, everyone would be going nuts. That saying that is just everyone going nuts now it's like the new way of going nuts is saying if Patrick Mahomes did that everyone would go nuts because if you're hyping up a play that much then it doesn't matter clearly it doesn't matter that Patrick Mahomes do it. like we all see the same things like now it's gotten to the point where sports centers actually posting it it's like oh if, if Patrick Mahomes did that sports center wouldn't stop playing it now Pat now sports center is posting it with that caption like we wouldn't stop posting this so it's kind of funny. I, I thought that was funny as we get ready because um, I think Josh Allen had like a no look pass tonight at, at some point. And I was like, wow, look if Josh Allen did this. So yeah, it, everyone sees it. What like the stiff arm from Josh Allen, for example. Like I said, like that's going to get more attention than the fact that he was zipping throws into these tight windows. That's just how we are. There's certain stuff that goes viral, and I don't think it really matters who does it. But saying that Pat, if Patrick Mahomes did it would make us freak out is the new way of us saying that was a really cool play. So uh, that's fun. Um, Lastly, I want to talk about the Yankees. So the Yankees take three out of four. The loss tonight sucked because the umpires really took the game from the Yankees. The Yankees didn't play great, but they basically have a minor league lineup out there. And Duar hits the two-run home run. You can't walk Judge every time. He gets a couple of hits, obviously. They do walk him in the ninth inning, obviously, to load the bases. Then Glaber Torres goes up there against a guy who is just has no idea where the strike zone is should have walked on the first four pitches but it's a high strike call and then a pitch that was outside called a strike 
and then he swings and misses at the next pitch and strikes out. But obviously earlier in the game, uh, YND Peralta made a play at first base where he's kind of bobbling the ball, but had it pinned against him, against him and his glove. And that was an out that would have ended the inning. And instead, Carlos Correa hits a two-run home run. That's what gave the Twins the lead, so they lose that game. The Yankees had a million opportunities in the doubleheader earlier. That was a couple days ago in the doubleheader. They had a million opportunities where they could have won the first game, and they shouldn't have won the first game because having bases loaded in a tie game and nobody out in extra innings... And Ronald Guzman, who was awful, and I understand he shouldn't be on this team, but the fact that they won that game was a miracle. And then they come back, Eric Cole has a big win, and the game before that, but like, does a couple of miraculous wins where Isaiah Kainer-Falefa hits a grand slam, and then they win a game that they should have never won in extra innings, and they win three or four against the Twins, who they've owned forever, like, does that make you feel any better about the Yankees? They're still only three up in the loss column on Tampa Bay, and they have three games coming up against Tampa Bay at home, like... If they don't blow out this series, or if they don't win two out of three in this series against Tampa Bay, then you can't feel better about how this Yankee season is going. I don't care. It sucks. Like, it, it's cool that they won a bunch of games. It's nice that they're not losing as much. Like, if they had swept the series and found a way to close it out and really just blew the doors off of the Twins tonight, then maybe you feel a little bit better. But three out of four, only three games up in the loss, loss column, you don't feel that much better about the Yankees as you did two days ago or three days ago. And what's upsetting to me even more is now look at the injured list for the Yankees. Rizzo's on the injured list, LeMayo, Benintendi, Bader, Carpenter, Severino, Britton, Chapman, Efros, King, Green, Castro, Abreu, Hill, and Ridings. That's 15 players on the injured list right now for the New York Yankees that are currently on the injured list. And what upsets me about that is now the Yankees are just going to use that as an excuse. It's going to be like, well, you know what? We didn't re-sign Judge, but that's because... Uh, we had all these guys hurt. We would have had a better season with all these guys. Yeah, we're not going to fire Brian Cashman. We're not going to fire Aaron Boone because, yeah, we started off the season really hot, but then everyone got hurt. So it's kind of upsetting that that's happening right now because that's not an excuse. There's still so many talented guys on this team. This collapse that is clearly in the middle of happening, and I don't know how it's going to stop happening. And even the Minnesota Twins, maybe they helped a little bit, but they couldn't help it completely stop happen from uh to stop it from happening that's upsetting if you're a yankee fan and so this is a huge series coming up against tampa bay again these games are all huge and it's fun yeah it wouldn't be as fun if they were up by a million and aaron judge is fun he had his 55th home run dude's incredible but at the same time this is this is getting real dicey here towards the end of the year here all right nfl picks here we go week one i'm one and oh to start the nfl season i took the bills and the points, they're minus two and a half, like I said. So I have, I'm looking at the spreads uh, courtesy of FanDuel. And the very first game we have is Pittsburgh at Cincinnati. And the line is Cincinnati minus six and a half. And look, I love Cincinnati, I told you. And I think Pittsburgh uh, is not that great of a team. But I think Pittsburgh actually has some talent on their roster. I think having Mitch Trubisky over the corpse, the rotting corpse, of Ben Roethlisberger that they had last year is actually an improvement. And I'm actually going to take the points. I think the Bengals will win this game in the first week at home against Pittsburgh. But like we talked about, the Bengals improved their team, but they weren't a great team last year for most of the season. Yes, they ultimately make the run to the Super Bowl. I think they'll beat the Steelers, but I don't think it'll be a blowout. Underdogs do incredibly well, notoriously, in week one. I think this could be one of those games where the underdog just at least covers. Not necessarily that the underdogs always win in week one, but I think the underdog will cover. I'm taking the Steelers. Bengals to win, but I'm taking the Steelers plus six and a half 
in that game. The second game is Indianapolis at Houston, and Houston is plus seven and a half. And I see, I saw in a number, I took it at plus eight and a half earlier. Um, so it moved a little bit down. But on FanDuel right now, which I'm trying to give you the most up to date, obviously it'll change before Sunday with all the injury updates and stuff like that. Obviously, we saw Christian McCaffrey is already dealing with a shin injury, and we'll get to Carolina in a minute. Um, but Houston is plus six and a half, and I am going to take Houston. I, I like Davis Mills. I don't think Indianapolis is that great. I think Matt Ryan is kind of towards the end on the last legs of his career. I think Jonathan Taylor is good, but I don't think it's going to be more than a touchdown game. I like it to be a, a touchdown game and maybe a seven-point win for Indianapolis, but I think Houston is better than people think, and I think they can cover. The next game is Baltimore at the Jets, and we talked about my Jets already. The Jets are plus six and a half. I think there is a little bit of a revenge game. If this was Zach Wilson, I'd probably take the Ravens. Look, in this game, here's what I think is going to happen. The middle of the field is going to be extremely important. If the Ravens can get pressure up the middle against Joe Flacco, he'll have zero success. If the Jets can't stop Lamar Jackson from running up the middle and throwing down the middle to his two tight ends, Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews, this game is going to be a wrap and the Jets are going to get blown out. But I think the Jets might be able to protect Flacco up the middle, give him just enough time. He's a competent quarterback. I think there's an aspect of this where he's going to have a lot of emotions. He's going to want to beat his old team. I say revenge game. I don't think the Jets will win this game, but maybe they make it respectable and lose by less than a touchdown. Jets plus six and a half. I'm going to take the Jets. Cleveland at Carolina. Carolina is home and they're plus one and a half. Baker Mayfield, another guy. Baker Mayfield with an agenda. Baker Mayfield when he's angry. Baker Mayfield when he's trying to prove a point. That's Baker Mayfield I like. Cleveland's running out there with a backup running a backup quarterback, obviously, with no Deshaun Watson. I think Nick Chubb can win this game for them, but I'm going to take Carolina plus one and a half to I think they'll win also, but plus one and a half, I'm definitely taking Carolina. Philly at Detroit, it is plus three and a half. I saw plus four and a half for the Lions. Lions at home, everyone loves. The Philadelphia Eagles this year, they're the big hype team. They're the team that, oh, the Eagles, they've taken the biggest jump. They have the best roster. At the end of the day, though, it comes down to the quarterback. And do you trust the quarterback? I don't love the quarterback. I think he's okay. I don't think he's great. So if you don't love the quarterback with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia, I think they'll win a lot of games. But I think this is going to be one of those games where everyone's overreacting, where the Lions keep it close. They keep it to a field goal or under a field goal. I'm going to take the Lions and the points. I like it better at plus 4.5, but I'll take it at plus 3.5 also. The Lions... Everyone's going to be like, oh, hard knocks. Look, they play for this guy. I could see them winning this game against the Eagles in week one. But even if they don't, I think they'll keep it to a field goal or less. The next game is the New Orleans Saints at the Atlanta Falcons. And the Falcons are plus five and a half. And I'm going to take the Saints. I think the Saints beat the Falcons and cover. I think the Falcons are not a particularly very good team. I like Jameis Winston being back for New Orleans. I like where their defense has been able to do at times. I think Alvin Kamara is healthy and he's not suspended yet. So week one is a good time to bet on a guy like Alvin Kamara. If he has some sort of injury history, week one's a good time where you think he's actually going to do pretty well. And with Chris Olave and a bunch of those guys, I'm actually pretty happy. I like the Saints in this game. And I like, I, like I said, I really don't trust Atlanta right now. They're plus five and a half. I think the Saints will win by at least a touchdown. The next game is New England at Miami and Miami is minus three and a half. I'm going to take the Patriots in this one. Three and a half is a big enough number for me to take the Patriots. I think they can cover. I don't think the Patriots roster is very good. I don't think Mac Jones is extremely talented, but I still like the Patriots in this game. There's something about Belichick against the Dolphins, which has been a bugaboo for Belichick a little bit, but 
I still like the Patriots in this game. I think the Dolphins, like I said, I'm, I'm higher on them maybe than most this year. I think Tua can be capable, but I'm not as low on the Patriots as some people are. I think the Patriots will cover at least and maybe beat the Dolphins on the road in week one. And when we talk about overreactions, by the way, that's one of the games that no matter what happens in that game, people are going to overreact in a huge way. You see it already. The last two one o'clock starts on Sunday, as all those games already were one o'clock starts on Sunday. San Francisco at Chicago is a one o'clock start. San Francisco is minus six and a half. Chicago is plus six and a half. I'm going to take San Francisco. I think San Francisco is a really talented roster, a really good team. I talked about this in last episode. Do you trust Trey Lance? Do you trust Jimmy Garoppolo? Who's the starting quarterback there? What's going on with this team? I don't think it really matters this week. I think this is a week where they're playing one of the worst rosters in football. I think the Bears are going to lose at least 13 games this year, if not more. I think the Bears are that bad. I don't see the Bears being able to score a lot of points against the San Francisco defense. I think Justin Fields is going to be eating dirt most of the game, being sacked a ton, and not going to have a great game. His number one receiver, his only receiver really, is Darnell Mooney. I think David Montgomery will get a lot of handoffs, but I don't think he'll have a lot of success either. I actually think Trey Lance is going to have a pretty big game in week one, and people are going to start scratching their heads. I don't know how long it'll last, but I think they can win this game by at least like 10 points, maybe even two touchdowns, minus six and a half. Not a huge number. If you ask me for the 49ers, I'm going to take them and the points. And lastly, Jacksonville at Washington. Washington is favored in this game, and I actually don't understand it. How is Washington minus two and a half in this game? I'm going to take Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville had the year from hell from the last year. I think this year is just going to be better. That's the bottom line. I think it can't be as bad as it was last year, and that's why I'm going to take Jacksonville. I think they could actually beat Washington or keep it to a point or two. Maybe Washington wins on a last-second field goal. The 425 starts, the late game. There's four of them on Sunday, and the first one is the rematch of the crazy Monday nighter at the end of the year, Las Vegas against the Chargers, and the Chargers are minus 3.5, and I have the Vegas Raiders, and I have the Vegas Raiders covering and winning this game. Yes, I think the Raiders are better than the Chargers. I know people love the Chargers. I know people have been hyping up the Chargers, but this is going to be one of those weeks where people overreact. They're like, maybe the Chargers aren't that good. The Chargers are solid. I think they're good, but I think the Raiders are better. I think the Raiders, like I said, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, they had the year from hell last year, and yet the Raiders were pretty good. They made the playoffs. They were the ones who beat the Chargers last year, and somehow the Chargers are getting three and a half points at home. I like the Raiders in this game. I'm going to take the Raiders, the points, and I think they win. The New York Giants are going to play, be playing in Tennessee. Tennessee is favored by five and a half, and I'm going to take the Giants. I think the Giants is another one of those weeks where it's like, Daniel Jones? The Giants? Can they actually be good? I think maybe the Giants win. There's a chance they win. But even if they don't win, I don't think Tennessee is going to run away with it. I think this is one of those games where there's not going to be a lot of points scored. I don't see the Daniel Jones and the Giant offense scoring a ton of points. I don't see Saquon Barkley going off. And who knows what Derrick Henry is going to do? I really don't. If you're relying on Derrick Henry that much, if you're Tennessee, then you lose A.J. Brown also. I don't think Tannehill's that good. I don't think Tennessee can put up more than 17 to 20 points in this game. I don't see the Giants putting up that many more points, but I think they'll put up enough to keep it close and maybe win this game. Kansas City is at Arizona, and Kansas City is favored by 5.5. Arizona is plus 5.5. I actually took this game earlier in the week, and Kansas City was favored by only minus 2.5, and I love Kansas City minus 2.5. I took that bet, 
I ran with it. It's the line has changed tremendously. It's now Arizona plus five and a half. And so I'm glad I took the Chiefs at minus two and a half because that line just didn't make sense to me at all. I think the Chiefs are going to absolutely blow out the Cardinals, even though it's in Arizona. You know about how I feel about the Cardinals. I don't think they're particularly good. And the Chiefs, I took them at minus two and a half, minus five and a half. I'll still take the Chiefs. They're going to blow out the Cardinals. I really, truly believe that. And Green Bay at Minnesota. I'm hearing a lot of people saying it's a classic Aaron Rodgers letdown game. But it's plus one and a half for Minnesota. It's a little bit close. Uh, I don't think they're going to keep it to a one run, one point game. They'd have to beat them in order for me to make that bet. I have to. Be- That's the rule. If you take an underdog, you have to believe that they can win. I do believe that Minnesota can win, but I don't love it. I'm going to take the Packers. I wouldn't bet this game. Earlier in the week, I saw the line was a little bit bigger. It was the Packers minus three. And I thought maybe, okay, maybe I'll take the the Minnesota Vikings here, right? Maybe they can push uh, and there's a chance that they win it. I do think there's a legitimate chance Minnesota wins this game. I think Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, I think those guys could go off. I think Dalvin Cook can have a really big game. And I think it's one of those games where Rodgers is trying to figure out who are my receivers. He has Alan Lazard, but we trust these guys. Romeo Dobbs could be good right now. My favorite tight end, Robert Tunyon, he's listed as questionable this year uh, or this week. So we don't know what's going to happen. Rodgers isn't so sure who his receivers are and all that stuff. This is this could be one of those games that Rodgers just doesn't look himself and doesn't win the game. We've seen those a lot in the past. And this could be one of those games where everyone overreacts to Minnesota beating the Packers. I could see that happening, but ugh, I feel, I wouldn't bet it. That's why I wouldn't bet it. But if I had to take a team, I think I would take the Packers minus one and a half. Like I said, if it was three, which I saw earlier, I would take the Vikings. Sunday night football is Tampa Bay at Dallas. Dallas, this line has not moved. I saw it a few days ago at plus two and a half for the Cowboys. It's still plus two and a half for the Cowboys. I'm going to take the Cowboys. There's a lot of uncertainty. I don't know if you saw the TMZ rumors flying about Tom Brady that he's splitting up with his wife, and that's why uh, maybe she's upset that he's coming back to football. Maybe that's why he had that break that he needed to take. But the offensive line took a hit. The defense took a hit for Tampa. Their wide receiver room took a hit. There's no Chris Godwin. Now, could Tom Brady just keep throwing it to Mike Evans and they just go off and they win the game? Would I be shocked? No, but the Cowboys are usually pretty good, especially at home early in the season. And we know they're going to fall off later in the year. So if you think the Cowboys can get their wins early in the season, now would be the time. The Cowboys plus two and a half. I'm going to take the Cowboys. I think they can win this game. The last game is Denver at Seattle on Monday night. The Russell Wilson coming home revenge game. And I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks plus six and a half. That's a huge number for me. I like it. I think that's going to be another one of those games where there's not a ton of points scored. And I really don't think that Denver's roster is that good. I like their skill position pieces with Judy and Sutton. I think Russell Wilson is a very solid quarterback. I just don't think he's a difference maker quarterback. What evidence is there to say that Russell Wilson can take a bad team and make them great? We know that he was really good on those really good Seattle teams. But when Seattle was bad, he was worse. So Seattle, you're stuck. Can you think about Jamal Adams for a second? He wanted to be traded away from the crap show that was the Jets. He wanted to be traded away from Geno Smith and that whole situation. Or I don't even know if I think Geno Smith was already gone by the time he got there. But can you imagine they trade him away and two years later he's on a terrible team with Geno Smith as a starting quarterback? That makes me laugh, but I do think that Seattle uh, could actually win this game and at least cover. I'll give you my bets for the week. I took a couple of bets. I parlayed the Jets at plus 6.5 with the Jaguars at plus 3.5 just because... 
That's a long shot bet. If that happens, cool. I took the Vegas Raiders money line. Like I said, I think they're actually going to win. It was plus 154. I took the Kansas City Chiefs because I told you I saw them at minus two and a half. I was like, that was easy money right there. Um, I also took a same game parlay. I mentioned that I like the Giants. The Giants were plus five and a half. And I took them and the under a same game parlay. That was a total plus 243. So the under over under for points in that game was 43 and a half. Like I said, I don't see any way that Tennessee could score over 20 points. And so if the Giants beat them, maybe 42 points are scored total in that game. Maybe the Giants somehow score like 18 and Tennessee scores 14, something like that. I could see that being the score or maybe Tennessee wins 20 to 16, 17, something like that. So I took the plus five and a half and the points, the under points, hate rooting for unders, it sucks. And I took the Seattle Seahawks money line. Like I said, I think they could actually win that game. It was plus 210, so why not throw some money down on it? Those are the bets I actually made. Uh, But like I said, I like Pittsburgh to cover, but I like Cincy to win. I like Indianapolis uh, to win, but I think Houston can cover the plus 7.5. I think the Jets, hopefully, please, I think the Jets can keep it competitive and cover against the Ravens. I also don't love the situation. If you're a Ravens fan, you can't love that they're going into the season with the contract looming over Lamar Jackson like this. Maybe that affects this game. Maybe they, they find their way as the weeks go on, but I'm also not a single Raven starter has played in the preseason. I know that didn't really hurt the Bills tonight, but sometimes it does hurt. Sometimes that could work. I know the Bills offense has a total played, I think, one drive or one quarter in the preseason this year. Um, the Ravens, none of their starters played any preseason. Sometimes that hurts a team, um, especially a team that didn't play a lot together last year because they were always hurt. And just to run through the rest, I like Carolina. I like Detroit. I like New Orleans. I like the Patriots. I like the 49ers. I like the Jacksonville Jaguars. I like Vegas. I like the Giants. I like Kansas City. I don't like Green Bay, but I don't like Minnesota either. I like Dallas to win, and I like Seattle to at least cover. Those are my Sunday picks. Now, I gave you my picks, and I gave you my bets, but let me give you some advice. No matter what happens on Sunday, it's week one. There are going to be overreactions. I'm going to have a podcast on Sunday night before the Monday night game, and I'm going to overreact. And I meant to give you my pick for Monday night at that time, but now you already know I already spoiled it, but I'll preview the Monday night game. Um... Maybe I won't come back till Tuesday now because I already gave you my pick for Monday night. But I'm going to recap everything that happens. And I'm likely going to do it on Sunday night. And I'm going to yell and scream about things that happen. And I'm going to overreact. And all the underdogs that win because underdogs always cover and win in week one. It just happens. I I saw a stat somewhere. I forget the number now. But all time, underdogs are incredibly, uh, they win most of the time. They cover most of the time in week ones. It's like a historic number. So... Underdogs are going to go crazy in week one. There's going to be storylines that people will react to. Stay calm. If you have Christian McCaffrey or someone else you know has Christian McCaffrey and he goes off, stay calm. He has the shin issue, so I don't know if that's going to happen. But he's probably still going to get hurt. Um, So all that stuff is still fun. It's great. We have a full football Sunday. I'm going to be in the studio producing Ravens pregame and postgame and then the Ravens game also on Sunday. So I'm going to have a good time. Everyone else, I'm sure you're going to be sitting at home watching Red Zone. That's going to be cool. Uh, and I can't wait for football. Football is fully back now. Thursday night, it was great to have it back tonight. The Yankees also have a series over the weekend, so maybe I'll have some time to touch on that on Sunday. But until then, I will see you all later. You were the best nights of my life. You got the light that always shines. 
I miss the way that you move and the way I get high When you take me to your eyes Like I'm standing in the sky I see your subway cars and your old graffiti I breathe your air when I land in another city I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones Yeah, you're all I know Everywhere I go, oh, oh, I ain't changed it all oh, oh, Always on my road, I'm still New York You're the only oh, 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 that I'll ever know My concrete walls, I'm still New York I'm still New York Oh, I'm still New York Yeah, yeah I wanna drive down Riverside See the birds flying on the high line With the sidewalks burning, we pray for rain in July I want the Yankees 99 yeah. And the Knicks yeah. on a sold out night When the curtains close and the Broadway streets are alive hey. I need your heartbeat close, don't you ever leave me And I breathe your air when I land in another city And I'll be that one that's got you printed on my bones I'm still here.